All right, friends, this is a pretty exciting announcement, and it's also a bonus podcast episode for my friend Stuart Grace, who I interviewed earlier in the summer, and it's because he has an event that's happening in New Forest near Portsmouth, UK, this weekend. So it's called ShutUpLegsCharityRide.com. I'm going to put, so that's the website, but it's called Shut Up Legs Charity Ride. It's the 8th year that they're running it. It's on Saturday, September 11th. And the reason why I'm doing this, because it's really important, it's a charity ride that supports the Epilepsy Society. And also there's a second charity that it's the MND, and that's for ADHD learning that Stuart is really passionate about because his daughter suffers from epilepsy. So another really exciting thing that if you happen to be in the UK, and we have a lot of UK listeners, Jan Vigo is going to be there riding in the event. So you have an opportunity to meet this exclusive pro rider on this event. So that's why I want to do this really special for Stuart is get this podcast in there. I'm going to promote it. And I hope that you guys hear it and you either participate or you make a donation and all the links are going to be in the show notes. So thanks a lot. And listen to the uh, coaches announcements that are coming up and this really cool interview with Stuart. He's an exceptionally interesting individual that's been around the world twice and he's settled and he just loves cycling. So welcome to this episode. Please share with your friends and also follow us on social media. Thanks. Hey everyone. Welcome back to the podcast secrets to the saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host Sylvie Dow. Now before we get started, I have a couple freebies for you. And before you go, um, before you go check them out, go and follow me on Instagram for more cycling tips. Okay, so that's Sylvie Dow underscore cyclist. Um, and I'll see you there. So my free downloads, there are three of them. The first one is my nine favorite hill climbing skills download. So there's nine in there. Go try them out. Next time you do hill repeats, do them with purpose. And that is what's going to give you the performance improvement. If you go out and you have something very specific to work on. The next thing is my gear bin checklist. Now, if you're one of those people who kind of is like all over the place, maybe you show up late because you can't find this, you can't find that. Get this list, check out the bike bin, or bike bag that I use. Um, a lot of my club members have purchased it just to get organized. And what we do is we just keep it in our car with all of our stuff in it. So literally all I have to do is take that with me, put it in my trunk, my shoes, my helmet, my gloves, my food, my, uh, you know, my chamois butter, my <laughs> sunscreen, everything's in there. So I never have to go looking for anything. And the last thing is, is my bike maintenance uh, recording. So it's an hour, but this hour is going to give you so much information about how to use the tools that you need to be carrying with you on a daily when you're going out riding, how to use them, how to take your back wheel off, how to change a tire, how to patch a tube, how to uh, repair a broken chain, um, 
and all sorts of other things in between. So go to askcoachsylvie.com to download all your free um, uh, documents and that recording. And I'd love to know your feedback on them. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram for more amazing tips. Take care and enjoy the episode. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for coming and tuning in for another episode of Secrets in the Saddle, All Things Cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou here in Canada. And we have an amazing guest today. His name is Stuart Grace, and he is from the UK. I'm so excited to bring him here. He is an avid cyclist, and he also organizes one of uh, a leading charity uh, in the UK, in his area, he's done it for the eighth year in a row. This year is called Shut Up Legs Charity Ride, and it couldn't be a, a better title for a charity ride. Um, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on Stuart and his charity, and then we're going to bring him out and get into his story and how he got this started. So, uh, Stuart Grace from the UK, um, he started up this charity. Um, this charity ride in support of the epilepsy society but um and uh so the following the last okay following the success of the last seven years uh the charity has raised over thirty-two thousand euros so that's like sixty-four thousand canadian uh and has a uh has agreed with the organizer stuart grace so this him to return for uh, you know, continuing to put it on. Now, the event was organized in uh, to support your daughter who had epilepsy. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Cool. So welcome, Stuart. I know there's so much more about you that we that I don't have for your bio, but I want to bring you out now and get right into how you got into cycling. So welcome, Stuart. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I always love to get everybody started with um, your story about how you got into cycling. How did you get into cycling? Um, uh, basically, um, as my wife would say, I'm a jack of all sports, master of none. So, oh, so basically, I love that. <laughs> so, so basically, when I was at school, um, uh, it was cricket, rugby, um, football and everything like that. Um, I can play football and I'm too small. I'm only five foot five and probably at school I only weighed less than 50 kilos. So uh, under eight stone. Uh, the only thing I could do was I could actually run. So I ran for the school and I ran for the county at cross country. And um, but basically uh, my parents didn't have a car. So if you wanted to go anywhere, you had to ride a bike and basically I, I just rode rode the bike um from an early age um I got into rowing as in I was a cox at Limington Rowing Club in 1971 so it's 50 years ago this year that I was actually a coxswain um and and from there um when I went to New Zealand in 1977 um I carried on uh with with coxing because i could see from where i worked there was um a rowing club in st mary's bay in auckland called west end rowing club went to the club um just basically asked if i could cox they said unfortunately 
all the crews, the coaches, the blades, the boats and everything was already allocated. Um, and the season was just about to start. So I just left my number. Um, a week later, I had a call from a guy called Tom Engels, and he wanted to start up um, a lightweight four for the national championships. Um, I was the right weight, right size, five foot five, 80 kilos. Um, I coxed the lightweight four in the morning from 5.30 until 7.30, and I went to work, which was less than a mile from where the rowing club was. And then a week later, um, I was asked by a guy who was probably 6'4 and probably 15 stone, had 20-inch biceps, and <laughs> his name was Bruce Ray, and him and um, Ross McGee rode in the coxless pair. I hadn't a clue who they were because I was new to the club. And all I knew was they wanted me to cox in the pair. And the cox pair is a front loader. So the coxswain sits at the front rather than a four and an eight, where the coxswain sits at the back. And basically, um, about a week after I'd coxed them, one of the coxswains came up to me and said, oh, you're really lucky to, um, uh, you know, to be able to cox these guys. And I said, well, I don't know who they are. And he said, well, Bruce and Ross are, are national champions and um, sort of, pre-selected pre for the Worlds at Lake Carapiro. And um, I won a national title and a provincial title with Bruce and Ross. Um, wow. I think I won 100 races. Well, as, as a cox, I won 100 races or more, 110, I think it was. So that was in the lightweight four, lightweight eight, heavyweight four, heavyweight eight, and the cox pair. And we were coached by a guy called Dudley Story, Dudley's story unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago of motor neuron disease. And that's one of the charities we're helping this year on the ride. So um, that was the reason behind the second charity. Um, Dudley was um, a gold medalist at the Mexico Olympics in the, in the heavyweight four. And the following Olympics, he won a silver. But he was just an incredible athlete. He was just somebody else. But as, as part of my training, um, I used to cycle. So although I had a motorbike, I used to cycle backwards and forwards to the club, mainly to keep my weight down because, I, like most people, I like food. Um, <laughs> and we were always weighed before races and the crews and the coaches would, would stand by the scales to make sure you didn't sort of like go in and say, oh, yeah, I'm eight stone today and then find out you were eight and a half because it is quite an important factor. Um, although Bruce and Ross won the national title with me, um, the team that was second was Locke and Logan from a place called Petoni in New Zealand. And they were in the five and six seat of the heavyweight eight that won a silver medal at Lake Carapira at the World Championships in the late seventies. But basically, um, everywhere I've lived um, I've always had a bike and then after returning um, back to the UK after a number of um, years abroad um, I was asked, asked to be a coach at Limington Rowing Club um, I was a coach there and it was quite brutal because um, a lot of the things I do you, you, you don't get anywhere without putting the effort in and um, while I was in New Zealand, I ran two marathons. I ran Rotorua, um, blew up at 20 miles and did 3.05.15. And I ran Auckland in 2.40.27. 27. 
So 2.40.27 in the late 70s um, in the UK was probably one of the faster times produced by a male, if you see what I mean. But at the time I was 20 years old, I was eight stone and had a body fat percentage of 10%. So th there wasn't anything of me. And as in running, sometimes you always have one day when you sort of like feel you can just run and run and run. And I remember running back to the YMCA after a, a 16 mile training run and I just couldn't run any faster. I, it was just like I was floating on air. And I, I spoke to Barry Heslop, who was our coach, and I said about it. And he said, well, that's an experience. He said, you'll probably only ever have once in your lifetime. And instead, just just enjoy it. And he said, and that's it. But um, yeah, I just car carried on running in Rome when I um, came back to the UK. Um, but then uh, in 1990, um, myself and Tim Ball wanted to raise money for the club and we rode a coxless pair around the Isle of Wight, which is a small island off the south of England. It's about anywhere between 70 and 72 nautical miles to row round it. And it had only ever been done once. And it was 1947, I think it was, in a fixed seat um, coxless pair. And it was something like 14 hours, 14 and a half or something. And it only ever, that was the only attempt that was ever made. So me and Tim wanted to raise money for FAB, which is the physically handicapped and able-bodied. Um, so we attempted to row around the island, um, got loads of data from different people. And me being a sailor as well probably helped with the tides. And we rowed around in nine hours, 13 minutes, 27 seconds, which is um, the fastest time ever been recorded in a pair. Um, it's been done quicker in a four, but the fifth person that's the cox in the four is actually a rower. So they alternate. So basically, although you've got four people rowing, there's actually five of them because the, the cox, although he's a, a probably a 12 stone guy, he, he just alternates with the others. And I think their time was something just over eight hours. But yeah, we nearly sank a couple of times. But yeah, that's 19. That was 1990, so that's yeah over 30 years ago um, that we still hold the record. Um, basically, after that, um, I, d I decided I wanted to change. Tim wanted a change in the pair, and we were already senior sweet blade oarsmen. So um, I took up time trial and knew nothing about cycling really. Oh my God, really cool. Yeah. So so basically, I just I saw the Tour de France and saw the first sort of stage. And it was 100 and, I don't know, 140 kilometers. And I couldn't understand why after 140 kilometers, they all come across the line at the same time. I thought, well, you know, why don't they just start the, down the road and then come up the road and do a sprint or something? But I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize time trialists, domestiques, um, climbers, sprinters, time trialists. Yeah, I, I didn't realize. And I joined the local cycling club at the New Forest um and i did my first time trial 25 miles or 40k something like one hour 13 13 and a half minutes or something just crazy I, I thought well hey does anybody get under the hour and um basically after that um i i just tried and i think in my first season i went from one hour 13 to 57 24 but i i ride a fixed wheel tt bike now oh my god no way yeah, yeah. So nearly all my bikes, although I've got 10, nearly all of them only have one gear. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So Why I've is got that? A, well, I've always ridden when we were younger, we didn't have the money to have bikes that had gears because in the sort of like the seventies, it was Campagnola. Um, right. It was probably seven speed and um, everybody just used to ride a single speed. So um, when I started racing and started time trialing, um, I find it found it easier just to ride a single gear. So I have um, a, a fixed wheel TT bike, which is made in Columbus Air. It has 650 wheels front and back because I'm small, which is unbelievable. Um, it has a, a tri-spoke, a Mavic tri-spoke in the back, which is a universal um, wheel. So it can be either a front wheel, a rear geared wheel or a rear fixed wheel to go on the track. And then in the front, I've got a Karima four spoke. So I race that. I've got a single speed Trek Crockett, which I raced on the beach and off road. So that's aluminium. We on the beach. Um, we do a race in um, Wales um, at Pembury Sands. It's a, a thousand riders mass start. Um, you have all the pro. Yeah, you have all the pros come over from Holland and Belgium because they race on the sand all the time in Holland. So um, it's a, a thousand riders. Um, I think I'm right in saying that the first part is about three miles from the start to the first turn. So when the tide goes out, the, the, the sand becomes hard. Right, um, okay. Basically, it's, it's just like a, a fire trail if you were riding off-road somewhere. And I think they average something like 32 miles an hour from the start to the turn, which is three miles. And that was wow. the two that was the two guys from um from Belgium. And all they do is they just do 15 or 20 seconds on the front and they just go hell for leather and, and nobody can stay with them. They've won it every year last years. Yeah. But yeah, I, I ride um I ride a track rocket, but I've also got a single speed mountain bike. So it's um a Genesis um comp a rigid it's got carbon RC31 pace forks, a single gear with um, a middle burn cranks and um, a Royce titanium bottom bracket, I think. But I, I race that as well. So I take both bikes in case something goes wrong. So I race that as well. And then um, I have got some geared bikes. So I've got um, uh, a, a geared nine-speed nine dive race. And... Um, I got one in process at the moment. I've got a, a metal, a steel bike being built because I did I did buy um, a carbon road bike with like the SRAM ETAP force and whatever. But I, I went out on a couple of training rides and basically the times that I was doing on my Crockett were basically the same as 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 the um, Trekamonda. And there was no the, the power was the same. The heart rate was the same. Um, and basically the average speed over say 50 miles was there was very really little difference so one was say 17.5 and the other was 17.8 so there was there was hardly any difference but the thing is I'm so used to riding a single gear that yeah, yeah I know and also um, although I'm 65 um, my max heart rate I think last week was 178 or something or 180 so That's i like have mine to, and i'm yeah. 50 yeah that's pretty good 
Yeah, I have quite a high heart rate, but my resting pulse is probably 38 to 40 or something. So I've, I've got the extremes and it, it might be because I've, I've always done sport. I, you know, I did. The worst thing for me is I don't know what it's like in Canada, but if you go to the doctors and you're pregnant or you've got an ingrown toenail or or something like that, it, it's not a problem. But if you go into a doctor and you're an athlete and you say, oh, um, I've not been feeling right. I've been checking my heart rate two hours after I've been training and, and the heart rate's not going down. The first thing they say is, oh, well, what's your maximum heart rate? I say, well, such it's 180. Or you can't do that because you've got to take um, 220 away from your age. And I said, oh, well, yeah. I feel like I said, I've been an I extreme athlete or I've been a high condition athlete for like 50 years. I'm <laughs> yeah. That's probably what. <laughs> yeah. So, so for a period of six months, I had um, B12 injections. I had um, blood tests. I had um, heart rate tests. I had an ECG. I had an echocardiogram. And after six months and all the details going back to different people to look at this, you know, what was going on. Um, there was nothing wrong with me. <laughs> so yeah, it was a complete not a waste of time. Yeah, really. So Stuart, tell me, tell us like, so you mentioned that you did a lot of traveling. I don't know. Does that incorporate any cycling there? Or do you, did you just travel the world after, you know, like college after all your rowing and then come back and start cycling? How did that fit in there? Cause you mentioned you like basically traveled for 10 years all yeah. over the world yeah yeah so that was to do with my job because i'm a sailmaker by trade as in sails and yachts oh okay yeah so when when i was in england um the, the kiwis came over to new to the uk to do the admiral's cup they brought uh gerontius barnacle bill and gerontius barnacle bill forget the other one but they brought three boats over from new zealand oh. and um one of the guys was running a sail loft in in Auckland and said why don't you come to New Zealand to work so I went to New Zealand yeah went to New Zealand um Chris Buzade wasn't there he was in Australia I spent a couple of years in New Zealand went to Australia met him there and he said well he was going to the US to work in Marblehead on the east coast and said would I um like to you know get involved in in America so I went to the US, became part of the America's Cup team with Dennis Connor and Ted Turner, Russell Long, um, and spent the first year there. And then Marsha Schwartz um, was working in the sail loft and she said, oh, would you come to Clearwater in Florida and work for us there? So I went, oh, nice. I went, to, went to Clearwater in Florida um, and then they asked me to do the Miami Palm Beach race. So I did the Miami Palm Beach race and then went back to Marblehead. And then they asked me to go to Smurgen in Sweden, which is halfway between Gothenburg on the West Coast and Oslo, which is like on the E6. So this this place is probably a bit like Canada. It, it's minus 30 in the in the winter. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. 30 in the summer. But yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, it was a bit of a eye opener, but I'd all, yeah. you know, went 
I went from Sweden to Canada and basically just followed the winter over to there. And then they asked me to go back to Sweden again. So I went back to Sweden and then I did a second trip back to Canada. And um, wow. then I went back to the UK. Um, oh, then I did, I was part of the BT challenge for the round the world race with Jay Blythe. Unfortunately, one of the members of staff went out to Rio in Brazil and um, uh, died of meningitis. He called it on the plane. Um, Peter Vroom, a Dutch guy, um, caught, caught meningitis and died um, two days after arriving in, um, in Brazil. I went to Brazil um, and worked over there for about a month or so, getting all the BT stuff done. And then I went back to the UK and then... Uh, as service manager, I had to travel all the way to Hawaii because we had a boat that had travelled from Fiji and it was on its That's way. That's quite the job. Yeah. <laughs> it was on its way to Fiji to, um, I think it was going to Canada. It was. It might have been going to Nova Scotia or somewhere, but um, they needed the sails to be repaired. So I had to fly and a whole load of sailcloth um, to the U.S., and then on to Hawaii and um, yeah, fixed the thing there. So basically I've just sort of traveled around but tried to sort of like keep fit. So like my wife says, um, not only am I a cyclist and a runner and a rower and a sailor, I play golf off a handicap of four. So I'm sort of like county standard, I suppose. So I play golf as well. So, oh, and I boxed, I, I was, I never went to the ABA finals, which is the amateur boxing associate. I had 15 fights and 13 wins, but being small, I had trouble sort of like, um, yeah, Fast Hands Grace. That was my name. Yeah, Stuart oh my Fast Hands. Wow, this is pretty cool. Okay, so yeah. let's, let's get back to cycling. Yeah. So when did you, okay, so. Okay. 1990, so, I started. Okay, 1990. So that, is that yeah. when you met your wife and then you had your daughter and because part of your charity is giving back to the epilepsy, um, right. society. Yeah. Um, and you developed this charity called shut up legs, which I absolutely love because it's just <laughs> like, it's the best name, but tell us about that. How, how did that all come together? Yeah. Well, originally because I was a golfer and a cyclist and I was captain of the golf club, they wanted to raise money and I, they said, well, you, you're a bit of a nutcase anyway. So why, why can't, can't you incorporate cycling and golfing into the sort of fundraising? So the idea was the first time I cycled 54 miles and played 54 holes of golf, um, cycling between like three courses. Four holes. You're crazier yeah. than my husband. Yeah. He's the a golfer too. Yeah, the second one I did was 72 holes. So I cycled 72 miles and did 72 holes. And that was for the, um, I'm a patron at a children's cancer ward called the PM Brown Oncology Ward, which looks after children from newborn up to 16. So I do that as well. And then the last challenge, there's um, Wessex Heartbeat wanted some money raising. And uh, one of the guys that I knew who was sort of like a chairman, he said, oh, is it possible to do more than 72 and 72 miles? So I said, yeah. I said, I could do 100. <laughs> so I, I rode 100 miles and I played 100 rounds, 100 holes of golf at six different courses in Hampshire and Dorset. 
starting at 2.15 a.m. and finishing at 9.50 p.m. in the dark. So I played the you first that all golf. in one day. Yeah. You yeah. played all that golf in one day. Yeah. Yeah. hundred holes and buckled a hundred miles. So like I say, 2.15 start and a 9.50 p.m. finish. It was nonstop. It was just, I was completely, Crazy. yeah, I was completely <laughs> sh- like, yeah. Okay. Just a second. Did you cycle and do that in the same, at like, um, in that time frame, or was, was that just the golfing? No, that was, that was both. I had to do both. So I had to say just like the first bit, I had to cycle from my house to the first course, which was say 25 miles. So I left home at okay. 2.15, cycled there, played 18 holes, and then cycled to the next course, played 18 holes, and kept on going until I got to the 100, which was at Romsey. And like I say, oh my gosh. Oh, so you cycled to each one of them. Oh my God. Yeah, my wow. Brother carried the, the extra bikes and the clubs <laughs> and the and the food. <laughs> the and, food, and, yeah. Oh my and God. basically all the courses knew that I was coming and they'd have like a captain. Because the, the stipulation was I had to carry my own bag and I had to hole out every single hole. So hard. And it was the weather was just just all it was just awful it's just crazy but yeah so it was we raised um i don't know maybe ten thousand for um the pm brand oncology award because the idea was we played at romsey on the same day that they had their pro-am and the idea was that they donate the money that they raised um to go so i think i think the last total i had was something like eight hundred and seventy-five thousand that i've raised over the years Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So everybody who cycles and golfs and does charity, you have to try this. Started the 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 first one. Was it 72? No, 54, 54 and 54. Start 54, 54 miles or kilometers. And then and and then work your way up to the hundred. That's awesome. But with the shut up legs ride, um basically I, I met Yens when I was cycling in France I have no mechanical knowledge whatsoever you know I can pump the tires up and tighten the chain and that's about it and I saw this guy um, by the side of the road at the Duo Normand which is in Marinay near Coutances in France um, there was 800 riders and there was only one idiot riding a bike with a fixed wheel and that was me and oh. I, I was out training saw this guy you know, he, he had a, a, a smoked visor on his helmet. Um, he was dressed in credit agricole kit. He was riding a look bike. And I saw him at the side of the road. I just went up and said, oh, you know, can I help? Or can I go and get someone to help you? And then I saw on the top tube, it had Jens Voigt and the German flag. And I thought, oh, I just bumped into you. <laughs> and <laughs> he, looked, he looked at the bike and he said, oh, you've only got one gear. I said, yeah. He said, well, you know what the course is like? I said, yeah, I've ridden it three times before. And then a couple of minutes later, Chris Boardman came up because Chris was training for the Athletes Hour at Manchester. And um, then uh, I forget it was the manager of um, Credit Agricole. He came up and sort of spoke in French and said they had to start training. And Yen said, keep in contact. And this was years before mobile phones and Google and WhatsApp and Instagram and everything. And I faxed Credit Agricole and said that Jens had spoken to me and said, keep in contact. And how did I contact him? And he was in um, 
somewhere in France. I forget where it was. Now, he was living in France and he was just about to move back to Berlin because he was going from Credit Agricole to ride for CSC with Bobby Julik and um, uh, Stuart O'Grady and Fabian Cancellara. And then um, he said, keep in contact. And, you know, if you're a cyclist, you know, to get a guy to sort of phone you up at home and say, oh, how are things going? You know, a guy that rode the tour 17 times, won the stage of the Giro and world hour record holder. And every sort of event I've done, he's, he's always sort of like helped. And over the years, he's come over every year and done the event. We pick him up. Um, this year, he's coming over on the Friday. We've got um, a meeting at the shop that sponsors me. Then um, we go to Cafe Velo and we meet a load of guys there. And he does like a Q&A. Saturday, we'll do the ride, which is um, 52 miles around the forest. And then on the Sunday, he's riding a tandem trike with a lady called Mary Corbett from Setonia. Mary has ME. Um, she's just broken a couple of like distance records and things. So he's going to he's ridden with her before on a tandem. And she's just like a massive fan. You know, you know, there's probably no other fan bigger than Mary Corbett. And she's going to um, ride a tandem trike with Jens on the Sunday. And then I think we're taking him to London on the Monday and on Tuesday he's doing a podcast with Bobby Julik. And I think they're either going to have Mark Cavendish or maybe Bradley Wiggins as part of it. Wow. So, so it's a it's a long um it's a long sort of like a long weekend. And and for me, okay. organise the event, the Shut Up Legs event. It, it's like nine months of my life. And of course, the problem is with having a handicapped daughter like Amy, and working and trying to race and train. Um, yeah, I, I'm just getting a little bit long in the tooth now at 65. It's just probably just a little you have bit to too recruit somebody to to hand over the reins and then you can yeah. sort of be the assistant instead of the yeah. yeah. But I'm I'm where I'm hard nosed, um I, I need things to be right. And you know, it, it's one of those things. We got about 18 sponsors, you know, from different shops, from precision hydrate, yeah, Trek and Schwalbe. Um, we've even got Montezuma chocolates, they're um, sponsoring us. So everybody comes up Trump. So basically we always have a second charity. So when people sign up, the money goes straight to Just Giving. It goes straight to the Epilepsy Society. And then um, we always pick a second one. So this year it's motor neuron disease. Before it was the Oakhaven Hospice because my wife lost her mum to cancer. Um, we've done saleability, which helps disabled people. We did canine partners, which train dogs to help people that are in wheelchairs and can operate phones and things like dishwashers, washing machines, things like that. So dogs are trained to do that. Um, and we've done a mental health group as well, Solent Mind. So, yeah, each year we, we try and, you know, there's 360,000 charities yeah. registered. Hey, we can't help them all. But it's like, it's like I said to somebody, you know, whether it's us that raises 10,000 or whether it's uh, a, a lady in her 70s who does like a cake sale and, and raises 125 pounds, both are important because, you know, we have to have the small ones as well as the large ones or else it's never going to work. But the shut up legs is, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's always been part of Jens and part of, the charity here so 
we're just sort of like carrying it on really yeah so but tell me about um your daughter yeah amy amy contracted um epilepsy when she was three so she's 26 now so she's had 23 years um she has mental health problems so we have suicide watch me and my wife um she's tried to commit suicide um six times in the last 18 months um she has uh dyspraxia ADHD, um, learning disabilities. So although she's 26, she has a mental age of probably 12 um, and she has a personality disorder as well. So she's got a whole load of things sort of like going on. And it had been nice for, you know, me and my wife just to sort of have a holiday, but we can't find anybody to look after Amy because Amy's got such complex needs that um it's not an, an easy situation you can't just sort of say to somebody oh can amy come and stay you for a week um it, it's just not sort of like difficult if we had a holiday we'd have to take amy with us does she live with you yeah yeah she always yeah she always will she'll never be able to live on her own she, she's not um in a wheelchair or anything is she no 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 but her her condition is that it's it's so complex that um I think she's had her file, it, you know, a file is probably eight or 10 inches thick and she's had so many different consultants. I think it's 50 or just over 50, might be 52 now, different consultants that she's seen over, over the years. And um, yeah, if you were to see her and you didn't know any of her problems, you thought she was a, a normal 26 year old that wasn't quite, um, up to speed on on a number of things um she loves animals she loves kids she loves being out in the garden she does um some voluntary work at a local place um avon tyrrell so she goes over there and they've got chickens and she cuts grass and hedges and she paints and does things like that but it, it's a it's a it's a vastly um complex condition that she has and uh it's something me and my wife will will always have to live with if you see what I mean it's just that we don't know when we're not here who's going to look after her if you see what I mean does she does she um does she engage in cycling with you yeah she does the ride um she has an e-bike um there's a local oh, shop cool. yeah right. they have an e-bike e um she helped design the jersey this year the shut up legs jersey we had a guy from America called Michael Valenti, and um, he he said that we needed like a branded logo for the Shut Up Legs. So there is a Shut Up Legs logo, and um, basically that's on the jersey. And um, we've got a whole load of those for sale. And there's other other people. Um, there's a local guy who's um, a sculptor, makes things out of metal. Um, they range. I think the the cheapest is sort of like um 200 pounds or something and the most expensive is a quarter of a million so he's helping um and everybody's sort of like doing their bit but it, it's like any any sort of chariots each year it i'm not saying it becomes more difficult but most of the people that have helped us from the beginning are still involved because we always have a policy that you know sometimes people will phone up and say oh i'm doing such and such please could you donate something and then the person that donates, they never hear back from them. And our policy is we do like a little card. Amy, Amy writes each individual card by hand and we post it to all the sponsors so that 
they know that we've put some effort in afterwards rather than just taking the money and running, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I do. I do. I send a little thank you card after my cycling event, even though it's not like it's not charity, but, um, you know, to our sponsors and thanking, yeah. thanking them for, uh, you know, their yeah. support, their continued yeah. support, I say, because I like you, I've got um, I, I, I uh, run our club runs a time trial event that's on our provincial calendar or well regional calendar. And um, I have to say that, you know, like you said, volunteers make, make the event and it's, uh, you know, it takes you know, an army to get that done so that, you know, everybody's happy and safe and things like that. And yeah, I certainly feel you that, uh, you know, the good thing is that every year you do it, it gets a little bit better. You get more feedback it's but like you a charity event is is much bigger and you have you know more things to think about especially yeah. when it's a a, a route like a road ride yeah well what we do is 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 the ride because everybody wants to ride with Jens you you could have like 500 people or something yeah. but it'd be just it'd be like a bun fight and it just wouldn't be interesting <laughs> so that the whole idea is we have um groups of 10 people they go off myself and Jens go off with the first group and then we ride five miles for them then me and Jens stop we wait for the second group and each group as each group has two local riders that help me out every year so there's like 20 riders so two in each group and there's 10 groups everybody gets to ride with Jens as long as they don't tell them his life story over the five miles if you see what I mean but <laughs> yeah. uh, monopolize them so yeah. Am I? yeah that's a great but, idea actually you yeah, have like so, a little little um like a little session with each little group and then you stop you wait for the next one to jump and yeah. you ride in so you're not like continuous with the same and everybody gets a little bit of uh an introduction i guess and yeah. opportunity to talk hey that's a great yeah. idea Stuart. yeah yeah i we like do, that yeah. Yeah, we do that every year and then um we have like a q a afterwards um and like i say jens does something every day so not only on the friday the saturday and the sunday and then going up to london but uh, you know a amy doesn't realize who jens for is when it probably comes to like you know legends of the tour if you see what i mean but um you know every everybody wants to come to the event and you know sometimes i think the very first time Jens went to a time trial um we didn't actually go there to to compete we just went there because it was on the way to the airport and it was just you know these people turned up and then all of a sudden Jens got out of the van and everybody's rushing around for a piece of paper and a pen you know please sign this sign my shoe sign my helmet yeah. you know sign anything but uh, <laughs> but, but yeah he, he does it every year and um you know, I, I'm sort of like grateful for what he does. And like the last two years, unfortunately, she can't come this year. The last two years, we've had Marion Clinet from France, who's an American who had epilepsy when she was a, a roadie in America, wasn't allowed to ride for the US cycling team, went to France, became a French national and won six world titles, five on the track and one on the road. And 
you know, Marion still has um, epilepsy. Um, she's a vegan. She tries to control her condition by what she eats and and exercise. And um, and yeah, so this year we might try and get somebody else. So um, if Marion's event is still going to carry on on the 11th, we might try somebody else. We're going to try and get maybe Evie Richards, who's just at the Olympics at the moment, you know, the British rider country so it'll either be evie or we might even try tom pitcock and see if we can get tom to come wow so. yeah dave um david uh our our mutual friend david bosley and that's how we got connected we'll have to do a little shout out to dave um, yeah yeah so yeah he connected us so that's how i found stewart is through a referral he's like you should connect with this guy and yeah. he'd be great on your podcast but he connected me with um, the uh, Evie that you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, Might the be. American. And uh, yeah. I sent her a couple messages, but she seems like a pretty popular lady. <laughs> yeah, well, I can I can always message her as well, and then just say oh. that we started a podcast today. I'll um, I oh, can that would text. be wicked. Yeah, I can text her, and then maybe you can set up a podcast with her. Oh, that would be super cool. But um, so we're gonna close it up this is yep. so amazing Stuart, of what you're doing um with regards to your charity and like i said i'm going to maybe move things around so i can get uh get you uh, some exposure before and i'll do a little advertising around your neighborhood um and i imagine you must have people coming from all over the uk to participate or do you is it yeah. just more local Oh, we've had people from America, Canada, um, Switzerland. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. We had um, Kirk McFall and his daughter. They didn't actually ride. They just flew over for four days because he oh. was a huge Jens Voigt fan. They flew over from um, Wisconsin on the east coast um, of, a, of the US. And then I think we had, um, we had three people fly over from Canada um and they came and did the ride that was part of their holiday they they knew the yeah. event was on it um and then we had um a friend called peter who um flew over from switzerland um he lives he's like a computer buff um lives in california costa mesa i think and um he was in switzerland and said um you know i'll, I'll fly over to the uk before i fly back so we've we got him a bike and some kit and um yeah he did the ride as well so oh, he's a that's big... fa fabulous. And I, I've actually done an event and got, my memory is not as good as yours. You are amazing at like all the, the, the like all the names and places. And oh my God, I want to be like you when I'm 65. So I'm working hard on that now. But uh, when I was in Sweden, I did an event with my girlfriend and uh, that was quite fun. It was yeah. around, uh, around Florence. Oh gosh. Anyways, like I'm not as good as you. I have to go look at the Jersey. I still have it upstairs. <laughs> so I got my kit, but, yeah. uh, it was, it was super fun to participate in a European charity run. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, our, ours is probably different because we have like wiggle events in the new forest. And basically you turn up, you get given a bag with a load of stuff inside that you don't really want. Um, a bottle and a couple of gels or something. Um, 
and then you get put in a group and and that's it all our groups uh, the people are all in the same roughly in the same speed so you know we want people to enjoy the ride there's no point in 52 miles and and getting blown at the back all the time so everybody writes when they they email they give their average speed for 52 miles and then the two oh, okay. guys yeah the two guys that help in each group one's at the back and one's at the front and then basically they they keep everybody together you know people have punches or they break spokes or something goes wrong so we have we have backup vehicles to pick people up but it, it's just basically a ride there's no no prizes for coming first or last it's just basically a ride so everybody enjoys it and that's why I think 50%, if not more, it might be up to 65% of the people that will ride this year have done all of the other seven events. You know, and the thing is, if they didn't enjoy it, they wouldn't come back. Right. Well, it sounds like you put on a, a pretty amazing event. So everybody go check out. And if you are in the hood or maybe traveling, you've been able to be released and, and travel overseas go and visit and participate in shut up legs charity ride.com um with stuart grace up in the uk and i will put all the information in the notes so everybody can find you and maybe you can hang out and meet jens um and so i want to thank you so much is there anything that you would like to add um before we we close up ah, I, I don't think i'd just like to thank you um for for your time really just for you know doing the podcast because you know th this sort of like helps both of us and also it helps bring to the attention of people that there are people like me and you that that do charity events you know we don't want medals we just want to try and help people that are less fortunate you know i'm lucky to have health and fitness um you know yeah. that maybe one one day i'll call upon somebody to help me but at the moment even though i'm 65 i, I can still you know ride the bike and do the things i want to do and you know <laughs> we just you need just need other likable people to you know participate in events to to help the the people that that do have problems because you know it's it's not just you know I, I do the children's cancer thing, but it's not just cancer and people with heart problems and mental health issues and things like that. There's, there's all little tiny things that people don't understand, people in wheelchairs, people that I've, you know, I ran the Seven Sisters Marathon with a blind athlete um, and he was blind from birth. You know, he, he'd never, ever seen. Um, but, you know, you realise when you have got your health and you can just get out of bed, brush your teeth, get on your bike, go to work, you don't realize that there are thousands of other people that you know just getting out of bed and making a cup of tea or you know getting a slice of toast it is a complex thing and you know we're, we're so lucky when we are healthy to you know be able to do the things we want to do and and to try and help other people well i think you know it just needs needs to be done really and like you do so much and i would love to be you know do more and i imagine that Stuart, you use cycling as a great way to keep your mental health healthy. yeah 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 it's just, you know it's it's just one of those you know i cycle to work in the morning and i cycle home and it's only like nine miles each way but it's just one of those things it just you know detracts you from the day and you know it's something you know you can do 
so yeah i'm i'm, I'm just lucky that, that i'm healthy and I, I can i can do the things that i want to do really but with that everybody get on your bike it's just the most healthiest freeing thing that you can do and it's kind of cool that actually the last you know year and a half that more people have embraced cycling because of the pandemic um which i don't know about you but we saw a huge surge in people getting on bikes around here. And I don't want to get into another topic because I know we could probably talk a lot. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's great to see people out there. And so I'd love to thank you, Stuart. I am so blessed that Dave, another shout out to him for connecting us. And honestly, it's, it's I love being able to share and share this on our podcast because that's what, my podcast is about it's like all things cycling all people who have a connection with cycling of some capacity um and i just love sharing their stories and yours is an extraordinary one so thank you so much and thank you so much to our listeners so yeah. don't forget to share this check out the charity if you can't participate i'm sure there's a link there to donate um everything is appreciated and uh don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another amazing episode maybe we'll might have some like mary or eva or like maybe you'll connect me with yans um on the podcast you never know who might show up but it's all about connecting and sharing okay. cycling all right thank you so much Stuart. yeah thank you very much all the best Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.